Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. Leslie Williams, Esther McCarthy and Fanula Jones uh, join us all once again. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. How uh, are you? You're not too bad, uh, as well as could be uh, possibly uh, expected uh, at this point in time. Uh, let's start with you, Esther. Uh, another Marvel movie. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was kind of excited for this one, though, I have to say, because um, I always thought Scarlett Johansson was a, a bit wasted in the Avengers movies. You know, she's very good at dropping out of the sky and landing, and she looked great in her black suit, but I always thought... Um, Maybe Black Widow was a character that deserved or warranted a little bit more of um, a telling, really, because, you know, she has Natasha Romanov is this character she plays before she becomes Black Widow. And she has this whole murky past as a KGB spy. And it felt like a story that was ripe for telling. So I was well up for this uh, standalone, which is set after the events of um, Captain America's Civil War. So the band have all broken up, they've all fallen out and they've all gone their separate ways. And she is kind of, yeah, there's a bit of a backstory first, but that's when it's set anyway, because people are curious about that because obviously Black Widow is no more. So uh, they have to go back a little bit in time for oh, this Oh yeah, one. the head melting part of it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yes. we can get into the weeds of all that, I suppose, later on. And Midway is... I have a feeling there was already a movie called Midway. Am I, am I wrong? Um, I'm not sure if this was told before. This one is a new film. It did get a US release uh, just before the mad stuff the last year happened. But this is uh, it's only coming to Irish screens now. Um, it's an interesting story. This and one I thought I was well up on my World War Two stuff, Sean, but I did not know about um, this battle actually. And how soon it happened after the, it's a battle of Midway. It was a big battle between the US Navy and the Japanese Navy um, that played out, imagine, just six months after uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor. And it was supposed to be Pearl Harbor Mark II, uh, but the US got wind of what what was being planned um, on this, you know, in this area. Really interesting um, geographically, because it's right in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, midway between America and Japan. Um, so you can imagine like, it's a whole other battleground going on there at sea in this vast expanse of ocean, you know, uh, very interesting film. They've got a great cast here led by um, Woody Harrelson. He is I love Woody Harrelson and everything he does and the Harrelsonness he brings to whatever role he <laughs> I'm good with it, you know, but I never realised I needed him as a grizzled old um, admiral. He's great here. I really enjoyed him. Okay. Leading a very starry cast, actually, including Dennis Quaid. Uh, directed by Ronald Emmerich, and here's part of the problem oh, here. Oh, Crash Bang Wallop, yeah. Crash Bang Wallop, yeah. Um, could work possibly for a, a, a movie about conflict, but also could take the emotion out of it as well. So we'll talk about the pros and cons of that a bit later. Right. Uh, as you heard there, Esther is well up in our World War Two uh, trivia. So if you have any really difficult World War Two questions for her, you can uh, text them in to us at 53106. Uh, Leslie, what will we be drinking today? So we're drinking wines from the nearest wine region to Ireland. And no, I'm not counting the UK. Um, <laughs> 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 there's some great sparkling wine. Dermot Sagu from Limerick makes great sparkling 
sparkling wines over there, but I don't want to go to the UK really to drink wine. But I want to go to France and drink wine. And uh, in fact, I want to go to Celtic France. I want to go to Brittany. I want to go to Muscadet, and that's where the two wines are All from. All right, okay. And the, the, so. but the, the climate in in, in that well, part of France is it quite Irish, really? In a way, it is. Yeah, a little bit, but it's warmer. They get yeah. warm twenty eight degrees during the summer days and so on. But Muscadet was a region that for years used to have to what did you call chaptalize? They used to have to add sugar to get the wines up to a recognisable level for making wine. So they literally just throw in bags of sugar and there was a certain amount they were allowed to do but they haven't had to do that the last 10 years because the climate is warming so right. they had literally no need to do it okay. so. It's kind of a good news yeah. bad news yeah. situation yeah. really <laughs> Oh we've got better wine and we're all going to die yeah. uh, And now there is I, I've never actually seen it but there is a show on Netflix is not where people dress up like they're animals a kind of a dating show Yes Sexy Beasts Sexy, It's coming yes. very very soon I yeah. cannot wait Oh it hasn't actually arrived yet No we have the trailer for it but I think it's coming is it later this month? It's very exciting Right okay I've seen pictures of that and it looks like Lewis Carroll kind of with chabs a fever dream yeah it's just gonna make incredible television Uh, but so now they're going to do a kind of a Jane Austen type version of this yeah we need to stop with the dating shows I fully blame no this is just eating itself this is Bridgerton's fault I fully blame Bridgerton for this but yeah exactly as you said uh, Peacock is after ordering uh, a series called Pride and Prejudice, an experiment in romance. So that's a streaming service over in America. Presumably we'll get it over here. But basically it's a Regency style dating series. And the idea is that they want to bring back like traditional romantic endeavours. People can't see, but I'm doing bunny ears here. Uh, Inspired by Jane Austen's classic novel, uh, Bring Him Back to Dating. Um, And they're basically getting like suitors in and they have to do things like letter writing and archery to kind of prove themselves to this heroin and they're kind of pitching it as like an alternative like if you're sick of the dating apps like let's let's bring it back in time and and what they should really do to mix it up is that in zombies yeah that's I'm sure it's yeah. imminent like they will make a dating show out of anything, anything. and I usually love this and I just I know I'm still going to watch all of it clearly like we will be talking about this again in a few weeks time no doubt where I will have just inhaled it all but yeah, I just, I don't know who And how who do they, how, is it like how much a bosom heaves given, uh, how much bosom heaving you get that makes you the winner? I kind of I, th- I think so, yeah. I just, I think it's how nice your letter is and how much you can kind of prove yourself to be committed <laughs> to the heroine. Like I'm not really Is this sure an American show or, like or an English one? Uh, American. So, oh, sweet yeah. Jesus on the cross. See, if it was an English one now, I kind of would be more intrigued because you'd imagine the characters they'd get on that. like. But like, they're probably going to get People who've never heard of Pride and Prejudice. This is, the, yeah, yeah. This is, or this books is the thing. Even, yeah. <laughs> oh, good God! Can't Actually, wait. we'll say because there's one other bizarre thing. Uh, the, this, th- what is this film that Adam Driver's in that involves dolls and and oh. singing while having oral sex? The more I heard, about sounds this, like a winner to me. Yeah, I immediately want to see it. Yeah. But the more I heard about this, the less I understood. So obviously, uh, Can is back. It was cancelled last year. Um, and Annette uh, was the opening night film uh, directed by Leo Carax, I think is how you pronounce his name. And Adam Driver is in it and it got a standing ovation. Full five minutes. They were like smoking cigarettes as people cheered. It was all very like nature is healing. Um, but it's basically a musical about these two star-crossed artists who give birth to a baby girl um, and basically like they're kind of singing throughout the whole thing and kind of the talk of Twitter from uh, even beyond kind of the ovation and stuff and Can being back was there's a scene in it apparently where Adam Driver performs oral sex on Marion Cotillard 
but he's still singing as he does it. And because Adam Driver is a bit of, I, I don't understand the logistics of that. I actually don't really want to spend too much time thinking about it. Powerful but, um, larynx. That's uh, yeah, one thing that's, we can all agree that's, on. That's yes. one way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, but people are obsessed because people love Adam Driver. So uh, All the more now, I would have thought, as you could yeah. sing in voice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, like, I, I don't know. I just want to see this. I want to see it so badly. The old phrase, don't speak with your mouth, but comes to mind. <laughs> The, uh, what's and there are dolls in this in the, in this film. Yeah, it's kind of like animat some animatronic things, and I think the baby is really weird. Like I think they kind of described. I saw people describing it as kind of like a meme of a film, a meme <laughs> of a musical. Like it's oh wow. So like the the reception towards it was actually very mixed, despite the fact that it like got a standing ovation. But again, I think that was just because like people were like, "Hooray, we're back!" Like I'm so happy that th this isn't happening anymore, even though it still is. But. Yeah, and the fellow who directs it, Leos Cara. Is, is he got form in, in this kind of wicked weird films kind of thing I think so yeah I think yeah. this is kind of his uh, his standard Jesus. but again like a cast like that I feel like people will go anyway especially when you're hearing stories like this like, ah, it just yeah. adds to the intrigue you know uh, I'm delighted to say I love it when I'm right which is rare <laughs> enough uh, there was another film called Midway uh, it was in the mid 70s starring Charlton Heston Henry Fonda uh, and on the Japanese side Toshiro Mufuni slightly better than the usual Sunday afternoon on RTE2 in the 80s uh, Robin says I watched it on DVD just last week not a patch on the original glossed over many salient points of the lead up to and the battle itself uh, and someone else says I got an A in school for a project I did on the Battle of Midway copied the whole thing from a National Geographic magazine don't know a thing about it uh, nonetheless it seems like everybody knows about this battle it's been kept secret from Esther McCarthy for many years now uh, so Leslie what uh, wine are we drinking first? Okay so the first wine is um, uh, Muscadet I'm going to hand you a glass Thank you very much. That's lovely. Uh, and one for... Oh, okay. He's, so uh, unless he's in, in the process of trying to dismantle the studio while doing that. <laughs> but, uh, okay, all right. Uh, so, uh, look, Muscadet was something we... Uh, anyone who's over 40 will remember a lot of Muscadet being around in the late 80s, early 90s, if you were mm. a wine drinker. And it was always a decent wine. It was always crisp and fresh and simple. But this is a really top quality. This is arguably one of the best producers of Muscadet. Muscadet was always quite light, but these days, they've because they've warmer climates and they're just using better technology and better efforts in what they're doing. So this is Le Pierre Blanche. It's uh, imported by Wheelahan Wines out on in Lachlanstown, worth a pilgrimage, great shop. Um, and um, it's about 25 euros. But there's just lovely texture. It's from the classic Muscadet region, the Sèvres et Maine, which is between the rivers Sèvres and Maine. Um, and it spends time on lees because the grape itself doesn't mm. have a huge amount of flavour. But you leave it sitting on the dead yeast cells after you've fermented it and the little bits of stuff that are left over and you just get texture and flavour. And I just think it's quite buttery and creamy and I don't know how do you feel yeah it's got a bit of poke for a yeah, muscadet I it, which I usually have found a bit some it tasteless can be. It, a bit it can be but that, it's, in summer sometimes you just do want something light and crisp and mm, white sure. and it, don't forget it's, it's south of Nantes I mean and it, I say Celtic wine region because the Bretons will never give up their claim to Nantes it was the capital of Brittany it was taken away from them because the Bretons were too powerful because of their shipping heritage and uh, Patan actually annexed uh, Nantes as well Nantes at a terrible time during the Second World War to go back to the Second World War um, and so it, They've always felt that, you know, if you, if you go to Nantes, you'll see this graffiti written in Breton. Uh, Nantes will always be Britain, Brit Breton, uh, Breton, Breton, sorry. Yeah. Um, but it's just south, about 25 minutes south of Brittany and you're in the vineyards, basically. Right. So I was thinking, like, we're not allowed to really fly anywhere, but if you knew someone with a boat, you could absolutely get there. 
you know? You absolutely could. You absolutely could, I reckon. I wish I knew someone with a boat. I wish I knew anyone with a boat. But you're from Cork. Everyone in Cork has a boat, do they not? Well, this is a call out if anyone can sort me out, please. But uh, yeah, I just... I've known people who'd hired boats down the Shannon. Does that count? I don't think so. I doesn't have your seafaring There's the old joke of the the man at the wedding standing up and saying, oh, my parents go, our family goes back so far. Um, We were on the Ark. And the father who's from Cork says, well, that's very interesting. But but back in those days, we would have had our own boat. (laughs) (laughs) Right, there we go. Uh, Esther, what uh, film would you like to do first? Let's do... I'm not doing that makey up midway battle thing. Let's, yeah, let's that's like, true. do that's that later. News. Yeah. Um, fake news. Okay. Let's do Black Widow. Okay, absolutely. we'll be talking about the documentary Black Widow after this break. It still fades. Oh my God. <laughs> I never watched it once. Come and drink. Rise, you workers of salvation. <laughs> Family, back together again. Mm. Seeing as her family construct was just a calculated ruse that only lasted three years, I don't think that we can use this this term anymore, can we? Agreed. So here's what's going to happen. Okay, reunion then, huh? And uh, I want to say something right off the bat. You haven't aged a day, huh? There you go, that's uh, Black Widow, a film dealing with the mystery of how a woman who worked for the KGB and was born and brought up in Russia has a thick American accent. Uh, Esther. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it's only exaggerated by the fact that um, the wonderful Florence Pugh, uh, who is stealing everything she's in these days, Mm. she's just fantastic, we need to talk more about her, but... um, including this film, comes very close. And I think Scarlett's OK with that. I think she's having so much fun with her um, and, and their banter together. But the fact that Florence Pugh has this kind of arch, exaggerated um, Russian accent and plays her younger sister, Yelena, only serves to make the um, Scarlett Johansson accent sound a bit stranger. Yeah. But look, that's picking holes. This is a lot of fun. It's I would say it's great for the first hour and grand for the second hour. Uh, very uneven. The first hour, it thinks it's a Jason Bourne movie and forgets it's a Marvel movie. And I really enjoyed it for that. And that is not dissing Marvel. That is saying it's proving a breath of fresh air from the somewhat formulaic um, traps that Marvel films have fallen into, I think, in recent years. Um, So it ultimately has to be a Marvel film. There are so many people who are up for this movie and and, and keen on it. But I really liked... um, the backstory and giving this character a bit of depth and I think the casting of Florence Pugh in this was a brilliant piece of casting because like she's so good in so many like I hear Marvel fans going who's this girl she's arrived she's going to be a superstar and I just can't roll my eyes enough to be honest because um, Florence Pugh is a superstar since 2016 when she made Lady Macbeth Um, if you haven't seen it do yourself a favour it's a really really brilliant um, drama and she's been great in so many films since. Stole Little Women uh, from Under the Noses of all her co-stars. I'm so good in fighting with my family, um, which is underseen and underloved, I think. And then, of course, Midsommar last year. She was sensational in that. And as you can see there, never doing the same thing twice, you know. Here she mm-hmm. is now doing um, doing a, a Marvel film and kind of just being wonderful. And uh, so, I mean, I thought... It was always so she does kind of Scarlett has to share the spotlight here, but it's not really an issue because when the two of them are on screen together, 
that was one of the best minutes of the film, I suppose, is what I would say. Um, and it's kind of, like this woman, Yelena, is who's played by Pew, is, you know, her sister, ostensibly her sister. Um, they formed a family uh, unit with two with their parents who are played by um, Rachel Weiss and David Harbour, who are uh, you hear in the, the clip there. Um, and we meet all of them in a prologue in the 1990s in America. This, you know, before Marvel fans start screaming at me, this happens at the very beginning of the film. OK, um, she's in ad- she's in her teens, Natasha uh, Romanov and her younger sister. And they're in, I suppose, what looks like a safe house when they're told they have an hour to leave the place. They're flown to Cuba um, and then, you know, quite shocking circumstances. The two girls are drugged and taken away. And it turns out that their parents are very deep cover Russian spies and the girls also are to be groomed to work for uh, this kind of shady character played by Ray Winston, who's known as General Drakov. And he he has an arm. I know. Yeah. The <laughs> documentary like, names said, are always crap in these things, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he has this kind of thing called the Red Room where he trains up this army of widows to fight. And an army of widows, did you say? Yeah, there's a heap of them. Right. Yeah. But they, do they actually technically have to be widows or is that just like a code name? Well, it's it's a code name. And it's, right. I better not go into too much. There's a few reveals okay. as to why that name is relevant um, in some, so, some terrible things that they do to these women, actually. So that's kind of interesting. Um but yes, that all happens in the prologue and we get to find, you know, we get to find out how Natasha ended up working for the KGB, I suppose. And we're fast forwarding then to two de- decades later, following the events of Captain America, um, uh, where she's trying to build her life. So we've already seen her as an Avenger, but the group have sp- split up following the circumstances of civil war. And so much story here, Sean. She's in Budapest. She comes under attack and it's the first of about four big, huge, brilliant action sequences um, that appear in the first 40 minutes of the film. Like my jaw was on the ground 40 minutes in from what was going on here. It felt really fresh and new, proper born level stuff, you know, hand to hand combat fights, motorcycle chase. A face off with a tank man that ends up in the subway of a city. Fantastic stuff. And it was a, a, new, a, newish, a newish filmmaker as well, an Australian director who's only done indies before now by the name of Kate Shortland. So it was very exciting, um, good, gritty, well-made action filmmaking, good script as well. Uh, but then I found in the second hour, it kind of just succumbed to the conventions of a superhero movie. Um it's not a bad thing necessarily because, uh, the, you know, there are some the characters really well developed by then and the self-referential humour that's so common in Marvel films really works well here, actually, really works well because Elena, who's Florence Pugh's character, has that annoying little sister thing of um, slagging off um, Black Widow, even though she's a superhero. Uh, she mocks her pose in different films and mm. says, well, how did you practice that pose? And did you practice it in front of the mirror and all of that? So she really knows how to wind her up. But, but, but is, 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 I suppose the difference has to be that Black Widow doesn't have any powers or anything. She's just like, she's more Jason Bourne territory, as you say. 
T- perfect for it, yeah. And I mean, absolutely. And and it's interesting. She's one of the favorite Marvel characters, and the Batman's one of the favorite DC characters, who also mm. has no superpowers. You know, so that is interesting. She now she's she's good with a gun and a knife and a bit of karate and all of that stuff. But that's all stuff you can train up to do, and that she has been training up to do as a child, of course. And we get all that in the backstory. Um, but yeah, I mean. Ultimately, it has to be a Marvel film. I get it. But when it wasn't, I kind of enjoyed it more. I'm going to put mm. my hands up and say. Um, and I'm not one. I'm not an action movie geek. But when it's done well, it's rendered so, so well. And I think the first hour of this is superb. The second hour feels like a bit of a drag after what's gone before. But it has its riches as well, I would say. Uh, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot to enjoy. Um, and it does merit its existence I suppose it definitely there's enough backstory here and proper acting proper acting from the two leads All right. um, to make you invested in, in what happens to them but I just it does feel like a film of two halves though um, yeah. and there it is in the cinema and there it is on your also on your Disney Plus if you want to watch it um, at home uh, so if you subscribe to Disney you can watch it for a premiere access fee you'll be paying more for this one it's twenty one ninety nine. On Disney Plus. Ouch. Um, Jesus. Ouch. Uh, what's Ray Winston's Russian accent film. like? Or is he like a diamond geezer training <laughs> uh, Russian widows? <laughs> he goes full Russian, uh, maniacal baddie. Yeah. He's right. Full, yeah. Uh, is there, uh, you know, the way they give hints, you know, is there going to be 17 oh more of these films? Or, or I mean, what do you think is going I don't, on? I don't know how people remember every, all of the detail in these at this stage. I feel like I need a map and charts mm. and a compass at this stage. Yes, there are post-credit sequences. No, I'm not going to tell you what they are. I'll be killed. Right. Um, but there are, yeah, there's lots of stuff that hints at more stuff. I think you can certainly say now that the Marvel Universe have um, Florence Pugh in their hands, they are not going to let her go because that would be insane. And I can't wait to see what Yelena does next. She's a brilliant character. She's a breath of fresh air. Um, ah. and yeah. Uh, so do you think like is there a possibility we might have like foreign uh, Florence Pugh type Marvel films or is the two of them together or they get together with the 9000 other people who are involved in this I mean never say never with any of these they literally brought everyone back to life once yes they did yeah uh, I would say it does feel like a nice passing of the baton from um, Scarlett Johansson to Florence Pugh, I would say. But now that they've established that there's more than one Black Widow, I suppose there's stuff they can do with that as well. Who knows? Right, okay. And do they ever explain uh, Black Widow's American accent? No. They just ignore that. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. That's true. (laughs) She's from a parallel uh, universe. I don't think it's it's entirely American, to be fair. I just think it's uh, less Mm, arch-Russian. Slightly less Russian, as in not Russian at all. (laughs) Uh, uh, Right, okay. But at the same time, it's uh, like you prefer to take 21 quid. I imagine going to the cinema might be a wee bit cheaper uh, than that. But uh, okay, that sounds not bad. I suppose it depends. It depends on how many of you are watching it at home. Yeah. Good point. There's uh, that as well. Excellent yeah. point. And uh, Fanola, there's going to be a... Va- oh, no, they've made it, have they? Uh, um, they've uh, made it, yes. Uh, a film about va- a feature made by one of my favourite uh, filmmakers, Ting Poo. Ting Poo and Leo Scott. Yeah, so this is another <laughs> thing that came out of Cannes. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm seven <laughs> mentally. Yeah. 
cheap shots of a Friday. We <laughs> yes. do enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yes, it's a portrait of Al Kilmer and it's simply called Val. I think we're getting it on Amazon Prime in August. Um, it's basically made up of footage shot by himself, kind of during his career, like during Top Gun, everything else. And then it's intercut with footage of him kind of now, obviously, as he's navigating life with the breathing tube. Mm. Um, obviously, he underwent a tracheostomy, I think that's how you say that, um, for when he was suffering with throat cancer. Um, it's narrated by his son. It's getting a lot of Oscar buzz, could being described by a lot of critics as kind of very poignant, but very moving and... Mm. I this was again this was kind of one of those actors that you know and you kind of know the story or whatever but even hearing this and hearing people talk about it I need to watch this it just sounds so good and like he's coming back in the in the Top Gun reboot is it? Oh the, is he? Right. He's reprising yeah. his role as Iceman for Top Gun Maverick so that'll be interesting to see. Had he been I wonder had he been sick though at, the, at that point when he Oh, I'm not sure. Potentially not. Well, I suppose like Top Gun is another one of those COVID movies that's been like just repeatedly delayed. So potentially not. I'm not sure. But um, covers his divorce as well. um, And just it seems to be just a very, very nice portrait and very moving and one to watch when it comes to streaming service. Not sure if it will come to cinemas. Seems like it'd be a good one to see in the cinema though if it does. So. Yeah, I'm sure in fucking James Bond doesn't come out yet. Mm. We're talking about that this time. Like, mm. yeah, he'll be in a wheelchair by the time <laughs> that film comes out. I'm really convinced of that. Bond in the nursing home. All right, you are listening to the Moncrief Show and News Talk. We do have to take a break. One more movie, one more film. Uh, uh, one more one, I should say, after this. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Uh, we are Fanula and uh, uh, Leslie and Esther are still with us. We were talking uh, about the new Black Widow uh, movie, which is kind of slightly action movie slash superhero movie. I suppose it has to follow those conventions, as Esther was saying. Uh, one texter says, Am I the only one who finds all these sci-fi Marvel movies a big pile of crap? Bar the Bond movies, which are, of course, very realistic, have there been any decent action movies based on actual human beings in the last 10 years rant over? Uh, that's a good question. So I won't ask you all the questions about the Battle of Midway, Esther, that I plan to ask you. Uh, have there been, actually... Uh, um, because I can only think of that time travel thing. But then again, that's the same oh, thing. Oh, tennis. No, yeah. absolutely not. I was going to say Widows. I don't know. Does that count? Yeah, kind that kind of, of counts as an action I movie. Would yeah. say, I would say Widows. It's a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Very underrated. Yeah. I would, there's a good bit of action towards hero. the end. I would yeah. say it's chock-a-block, yeah. but... Yeah. Esther, can you think of any? Yeah, Widows is a good example, which I didn't like, actually. Just what? to be contrary in there. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I, I found it a bit, a bit up itself now. Uh, trying to be artists, because they want um, black action. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, there has, I'm sure there's been loads. I mean, you can look at all the Fast movies, you know, uh, the Fast and Furious yeah. films And as number well. nine or something is in, in the cinema. The number moment. nine is in the cinema now, doing really well. Kind of the, the big movie of summer so far, although I think this one's going to pass that out. Um, yeah, I think there's plenty. There's plenty of action movies that are... Uh, especially, especially indie ones as well. Is it? I, 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 the Fast and Furious thing. I, how do they keep that up? That's extraordinary, really, because there's only so many storylines you could get from driving fast cars and hitting this, people. This, that one has cars in space. I, which is, I, <laughs> I love the way as well. They just like they don't kind of bother less about the titles as it goes on. It's now like Fast Furious Nine or something. They yeah. used to have, like have a colon and a t- another title before. I just want to really get. Um, there to be 16 films so that by then they can just call it FFS. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> that would be sweet. Uh, it's only worth all those billions of dollars uh, uh, just Absolutely. for that. Uh, right, I wouldn't well, bet against it either. <laughs> uh, let's move on to our second wine of the day. This is uh, Pink and Fizzy. Pink and Fizzy. And it's also from Muscadet. I didn't actually give the name of the last one, by the way. I should yeah. just do that. So let's say uh, Domaine Luno Papin and it's La Pierre Blanche, which is uh, it's their top Muscadet, basically. And well, they're kind of, it, yeah. So this is uh, also Muscadet, but it's pink because in the region they do grow pink grapes as well. They grow red grapes. Gamay is quite common uh, throughout the Loire Valley. Um, Gamay, I mean, traditionally a Beaujolais grape, obviously, but uh, you can grow it quite well in the Loire. It, it, it suits the climate. And yeah, and so this is a Pétillon Naturel, which is a very trendy one at the moment. Um, it's f- fizzy from the bottle. I mean, it's bottle fermented like champagne mm. but it gets one fermentation usually or well the more important thing is actually um, is that it doesn't get filtered so there is little bits of uh, cloudy uh, sediment at oh, the bottom oh that's right there yeah, is yeah. Which yeah. Is just, but that just kind of gives a kind of a creamier rounder flavour it's a sort of it's like uh, um, you thought it was kind of um, sweet sour and it is it's, it's yeah. like cherry fruits but but I just think it's really refreshing it's really light it's 11% um, um, it's called um, Gun Club um, and it's Domaine Les Trois Trois and it's apparently related to Jules Verne, the um, from the the movie, La, the, sorry, the movie, the book, uh, De La Terre de Lune, um, which is one of his adventure novels. The guy who wrote around the world in eighty days, so it's related to that. Um, so it's a kind of a colourful label with a bloke. It looks like for um, a, for, for a drink that's. Uh, pink and fizzy Gun Club is a very I'm masculine just, kind of <laughs> testosterone charged name for it's, this it's kind of thing to encourage men to drink it I suspect you know? yes. uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, I just get a lot of fun Corkscrew have it uh, they have a few others from the same producer all of which are good good muscadet from them as well but I wanted to say both these wines are organic biodynamic and biodynamic just is as I think I said before the provisional wing of the organic movement they take everything to the extreme tiny quantities of grapes are produced you've got to use a bit of homeopathy and stir the wine in a certain way and literally I swear to God stir it six, really, they seven, seven, yeah, they stir it seven times to dynamize it um, not six not eight seven, seven. times oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, the I number can, of God not yeah. the number of the beast don't yeah. stir it six times for goodness sake um, and they bury horns full of poo in the garden uh, in, 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 the, in the vineyard to send good vibes to the vineyard and there's root days fruit days flower days and sea days and you must do things on certain days uh, I'm not sure whether today is a fruit day or a flower day but you should only drink wine on fruit and flower days not on root days It's it's. but look having said that if your guy goes biodynamic the wines improve it doesn't mm. necessarily mean the wines will be good if they're a bad producer but if sure. a good producer goes biodynamic the wines will improve Okay Do they grow anything else on these uh, these vineyards Yeah that's what you're supposed to be doing <laughs> You're supposed to have sheep and your own cattle and stuff but wine being a monoculture it isn't completely suited to biodynamics in my view I mean the original Steiner theory of biodynamics was all based around the the vineyard being a holistic, or the, sorry, the farm being a holistic being in which the trees and the animals and the plants and the air and everything was around you. Organic viticulture looks to the ground and what you're putting in the ground and on the ground and on the leaves, whereas biodynamics looks to kind of the air, the sun, the moon and the whole kind of atmosphere. It's interesting. It was kind of banned in Ireland for vegetable growing because it, you had to use animal products in it because you use cow horns to bury the poo in and stuff. And mm. And now, what kind of poo is it? It's, it's, it could be cow poo or, or right. uh, sheep. I know, like, and you put it literally inside the you, horns. You, you, in the cow's horn, and then you, you first of all you age it underground for a year, of and course. then you, yeah, and then you put it into the cow's horn, and then you bury it at strategic points throughout the vineyard, and that then. It's said to act as a fertiliser, but if it's in the horn, I often wonder how it kind of does. But yeah. I've been in vineyards where they're emptying the horns and they're literally shaking out the poo out of the horns. And um, um, so like, I've been in vineyards in Spain where they have their own herd of sheep who partly we keep the weeds down and then also their shit is all gathered and mm-hmm. then aged and so on. But if you're in Burgundy and you're surrounded by vineyards, you just buy in the poo. Um, of course. Yeah. yeah. But so some big biodynamic producers like Gramona, which is an amazing cava producer, well, no, no, no longer called Carva, now called Corpanat, because that's the new name for the best cavas. Um, 
they have mounds and mounds and mounds of poo from their donkeys and Catalan cattle. Um, they have they saved the Catalan cow uh, because it was almost extinct because people only, it was a beast of burden rather than so it was used for that as well as its milk and its meat, but it's not great for milk or meat particularly. But it was and but obviously beast of burden we don't need anymore. But they saved it a huge herd of them and that then provides loads and loads of shit which they can then use to then sell to all the other biodynamic vineyards around the world and That's so on. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. How do these places make a profit? They well, seem to have gone to ten times the amount of yeah. trouble you would and you to get 30, produce a small amount of and, wine. And you get 30% of the quantities of grapes. So you have to charge a bit more and so yeah. on. Um, and yeah, like, that's how they're doing it. I mean, it's also incredibly trendy. All Every new wine bar and restaurant that's opened in Ireland in the last five years has been serving exclusively almost wines like this. Pet Nat is, is, is the thing of the moment. And you'll find a load of them around. Um, if you, so if you can't get this one, if you can't get the corkscrew, any decent off-license, especially independents, will have a Pet Nat, um, which is the, 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 the new trend. And right. some people say you should give it a shake to make it more cloudy, to inter- integrate all the, the Lee's flavours. Okay. Um, and so Get on the old poop yeah. flavours yeah, in there that kind of thing yeah. uh, but look delicious. I think it's perfect summer wine yeah. it's 11% it's just easy drinking sweet sour you can you know and with strawberries or with you know yeah, it is it's, it's nice and light how much is it again it, it's 25 now 25 well, but you'll you get know. them for under 20 you'll get yeah. you'll get in fact Mary Paul down in Ken Mayer a few, few, wherever she sells like good food I think on George's Street and Vintry and Rathgar I think are some of the stuff and down in Mannings and Ballylicky you'll get he's a pet now it's about 18 so right. it's really good uh, Trish wants to know does Muscat contain sulphites? So every single one that's ever been made contains sulphites. Yeah, that's your answer. Um, <laughs> Sorry now, about that, some Trish. people don't add as much sulphites, right? I mean, so there's lower sulphites. Some, some producers don't add as many sulphites, which will reduce them. So if you're sensitive to them, if you're looking for a wine that contains no added sulphites, may help you. But it'll soften, soften, soften out the juice. So you will, you may actually prefer that. It almost tastes like fruit juice rather than wine if it's done if it's not done right. But but yeah, it's. I'm not against sulphites to be honest. I mean, it's we've been using them for millennia. You know, even the hippies. On this in, in gun club, uh, yeah, trying to avoid sulfites. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so there you go. Uh, right, so there's going to be another version. What we have all been waiting for, yet another version <laughs> of guys and dolls. This is what the people wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Condon. Yeah, he's an Oscar winner and he's on board to do another remake of um, Guys and Dolls. As you said, he's uh, the guy behind Chicago, Dreamgirls, uh, Disney's remake of Beauty and the Beast. Um, did anyone want this? I'm not really sure. Um, but when obviously, was the it was... last version of Guys and Dolls. It can't have been that long ago. It feels like. A fortnight. Oh god, yeah, but I mean, you're talking about like Marilyn Brando, Gene Simmons, Frank Sinatra, Vivian Blaine. So like, kind of a a decent enough gap, I would say, for right. a remake. Okay. okay. Um, in my opinion, um, and obviously the success of it, it does kind of make sense why they would be looking to maybe do it in a more modern day, put a twist on it kind of way. Five Tony Awards, uh, including the prize for best musical. Um, uh, 1992 was the last one I think with Nathan Lane and Faith Prince so there you go right okay and, but was that the stage version of it or a film yeah, version stage of it? Ra- version right yeah. okay because uh, I don't know when did they make a I assume they've made a film version yeah of it. no yeah. they did yeah yeah with the Marlon Brando and all them but yeah right, I think okay. that's why they're looking they're looking to modern day now for it but yeah, yeah I just I wonder what his date though I just guys, even the title Guys and Dolls seems kind of innocent yeah, I... And calling, can you call women dolls anymore without this like is the instant thing. cancellation for that <laughs> but one? Then, but then I wonder, are they going to approach it in that way that it's very gender neutral, everything swapped and yeah, yeah, I just... We need to stop remakes, like even with the amount of time that's passed between this and the original, I'm just... There are new stories we can tell. We don't have yeah. to keep going back and rehashing yeah, And stuff. we can't call it guys and dogs. call it they and they. <laughs> uh, and that's probably the safest option. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to the movie that you know Esther's been dying to talk about uh, for the last hour or so. It, it is Midway. Here's a clip. 
Where's this kid? He didn't think he could cut it. I figured it was just the usual jitters. I take him under my wing. He was wanting to be scared. Pearl Harbor is the greatest intelligence failure in American history. This can never happen again. I want to make it right. At least some of the boys still want to fight. The Japanese are planning something bigger. So what's the target? We believe it's Midway. Washington disagrees. Washington is wrong. If we lose, then Japanese own the West Coast. Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Burn. Featuring lots of machine guns and whispering. That's uh, Midway, uh, which is, uh, as I understand, this is on Sky Movies, is it, Esther? Yeah, it's on Sky and Now TV from today. Um, yeah, it's a, the little known battle of Midway, Sean, at yeah. least if you're me anyway. Um, the codebreakers might have broken all these codes, but they never told me about it. Um, it's an interesting clash, though, because that's it's timing, I suppose, and you imagine the, the context of the timing of this that was just six months after the shocking attack on Pearl Harbor by um, Japanese forces. Um, and it was they were coming for them again, basically. They they had this um, station in the, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and uh, the Japanese thought they were going to sneak another attack on the Americans. But what had hap- what was happening here was um, they got co- really great uh, intelligence on coding and, and the messaging that the Japanese were, military were sharing. Um, and they kind of decided to almost play along with it and, and lure them in. So that's kind of the build up to that. Um, and the, I was worried about the director on this because Ronald Emmerich, he's made huge films, very successful films like Godzilla, Independence Day, which was probably a highlight, um, and The Day After Tomorrow. But in recent years, his films have feel, felt very kind of soulless, very procedural, um, and they can almost look like video games, in, in, you know, in, and, and that's, I didn't want that kind of sense of lack of reality. Um, what anchors this a little, I think, is the performances. Um, I'm going to make a case for Nick Jonas here. People are quite dismissive of him, but he shows up in everything he does. And he's actually shaping into quite a decent actor. This I have is of the Jonas one. Brothers we're talking the, about. Of the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. yeah, I think people are dismissive of him because of his background and, and, and you know, the pop background and stuff. But he's actually really good here as um, one of the real life characters, Bruno Guido. Um, he's an airman who takes massive risks in doing his job um, and and people will know um, the fate he met, I suppose, as well um, for doing so. And then Woody Harrelson, he just brings that weird, you know, the weariness that Woody Harrelson has, kind of weary charisma, I would call it. Uh, he brings that to Chester Nimitz, um, who's a Navy admiral who leads his forces. And then you have Patrick Wilson, like what a cast. Um, oh, as Dr. Edwin McDreamy. Layton. Yeah, um, who becomes... Uh, no, that's Patrick Dempsey. All oh, right, sorry. Yeah. Patrick Wilson. Patrick, yeah, I make yeah. them up. Yeah. 
and they look alike as well to make oh. it more confusing. Um, so he's playing this kind of high ranking US intelligence officer and he's the brains of the operation, I suppose. He's he suspects that the Japanese are up to uh, up to something following the Pearl Harbor attack um, in the months after the Pearl Harbor attack and sets about trying to intercept their their messages. So it's in it's a, this is badly reviewed and I thought it was better than the reviews might say but I wouldn't be singing from the rooftop about it either you know um, I think it's very there's a lot of historical accuracy in it it's been praised widely for that so I think if you're interested in the story and uh, don't know a lot about it like me um, would be it would be of interest to you I think but it's a bit just too pedestrian at times and dangerously make maybe you know glorifies the battle mm. scenes too much maybe does a bit goes a bit too Jason Bourne with them, you know. Um, but I, I think the cast anchor it all, the cast make it watchable. Dennis Quaid, who, who I'd watch in anything, is in there as well. Um, I, and I think they keep it going. But yeah, it's uh, Ronald Emmerich doing more of what Ronald Emmerich does, except in a wartime setting. It's really. an odd time to be making a war movie. You know, because usually you kind of see there's some sort of, you know, they make lots of war movies around the time of Brexit or something. I, I, it's, it just seems an odd choice. Yeah, well, this was made before, just before all of this happened, I suppose, um, and and was you know released in the US before all of this happened. So, you know, these things can be two, three years in the planning. So they mm. they can often feel, you know, of strange timing because of the times we live in. But a movie like this would have probably been in the planning about four years before it got released. You know. Yeah, interesting one, nonetheless. Uh, right, okay. Well, that was uh, that was midway. You can yeah, you can watch that one for free if you if you have Sky Movies. Uh, and finally, um, a new, uh, when people are talking about are there any new kind of action movies, there might be a new action franchise, uh, and Dua Lipa is going to be in it. Yeah, this is a bit of a mad one. It's kind of like they're claiming the guy behind this is claiming that this is going to like reinvent the spy genre. So it's Matthew Vaughn. He would have done uh, Kingsmen. But they're basically adapting this novel that isn't out yet, which kind of fills me with dread. That they, like, <laughs> oh, right. The novel's not even out yet. Um, it's called Argyle. Um, as I said, from Matthew Vaughan, who's done uh, Kingsman before. He did Layer Cake. He did Kick-Ass. But like a seriously okay. stacked cast. But a bit strange, as you said. Dua Lipa, who's also doing... Uh, she's writing music for it and for the score. Then we have Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, and John That's Cena. good uh, a good cast like it's very yeah. very very stacked but basically it's based on this novel as I said it's not out yet by uh, Ellie Conway follows the world's greatest spy caught up in a globe trotting adventure um, I think it's due to go to production next month with a view to release in 2022 so it could be interesting we might have a like knives out situation where we're kind of maybe caught off guard by the fact that it's actually good uh, is it slightly tongue in cheek or, or, or is it genuinely are they very sincerely no, saying I, I, world's greatest spy travels I, around the no, world no I do think it's a bit serious so your man uh, Vaughn's given a statement and he said basically he read an early draft manuscript and he said it was a most incredible and original spy franchise since Ian Fleming's books of the 50s and he said this is going to reinvent the spy genre like very strong words so we will see very strong words you heard it here first and we look forward to seeing that or perhaps not Uh, Fanula, Leslie, Esther thank you all uh, very much that's our lot uh, for today Kieran's up next on Newstalk our production team today Marisa Sullivan Stephen McLoon and Aidan McKelvey will talk to you on Monday at 2 o'clock have a lovely weekend. Movies and booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.